Lost the weight upon my shoulder. Now it's easier to walk. I can see the road before me. I am not afraid to fall. All right, welcome to Beautiful Shifts Podcast today. Um, today we have Keisha. Yes. With us. Yes. Keisha Cox. And she's so cute and yeah. so just well-spoken and has so much wisdom and had so many just great quotes and thoughts that were her own. Yeah, she really did. <laughs> I thought she was really good. So yeah, her husband and my husband worked together. And so I met her, but she's super cute and has um, three Down syndrome children. One that she had herself biological and then they adopted two more. So she has um, seven kids and three with a Down syndrome and she just, I don't know, she's such a good mom and um, taught me a lot about just different things of raising kids with disabilities and seeing just the beauty in all of it. And yeah, she was awesome. Yeah, she was really cool. And it was fun for me because I've heard you talk about her a lot because mm-hmm. you, you know, I've chatted with her at work events and stuff, but it was just neat to meet her. And I just felt like she was like an instant friend. She was really Yeah, it was kind of like, fun well, sh- and, we didn't want to yeah. stop talking. Like, can I we know. go to lunch now? Yeah. Yeah, it was really <laughs> fun. And, and yeah, I loved her story. I mean, she, it's very like, you know, she's honest about kind of the hard parts mm-hmm. of it, but how, what a blessing it's been overall. And, and right. I can't even really believe because even she had twins mm-hmm. that aren't, you know, that don't have Down syndrome and they had a bunch of health issues. So a lot of the time I was like, wow, she had to have been so overwhelmed in that moment. But as she's talking, she seems so calm and, you know, I'm yeah. sure it was really like scary and stuff in the moment, but she, um, yeah, is honest about how hard it was, but also she feels like she can, I think, handle a lot. Yeah. I was actually like telling my mom about our interview with her mm-hmm. afterwards. And I was like, she just was such like, I don't know what word exactly to use, but she's very like the, an adaptable person. Like her and her husband right. have had to adapt to a lot, but they've done it really well. And you can tell they just kind of have patience with, with mm-hmm. things as they come. You know, she tells a couple of stories about sometimes it can be crazy in the hard moments and stuff, but they just seem like they just you know, adapt and shift and, and right. make it work. Yes. And just really awesome people. And I was so glad that we were able to connect with her and listen to her story. And I think you guys will love it so yeah, much. She really. did just so many things in there, whether you have kids with disabilities or not, or whether you have family members with Down syndrome or whatever it is, or your kids have friends at school. I just feel like it was super informative, but also like just seeing like the joy in the heart. Yeah. And the discussion about people with disability, like on a broader level, we Mm -hmm. kind of discussed that a bit and how they add value to society and to our lives. And I thought that was really cool. Right. Anyway, I think you guys will really just love this episode and just love Keisha. Yeah. She was awesome. So awesome. So thank you, Keisha for coming on. Yes. And yeah, before we, um, pivot over to the episode, we thought we would just remind you guys about our book club that we have coming up. Um, so we announced that we're our book club episode for the lessons in chemistry. We're going to do March 1st uh, and, March. or sorry, March 5th, the first week of March, but March yeah, 5th, March 5th is a Tuesday. <laughs> yes, so we'll Tuesday. have the discussion then. Yeah. And then our second one for Atlas of the heart, um, by Brene Brown will be March 19th. So we'll have an episode in between the two. Books. Yeah. We kind of thought maybe it would work to space those out. Mm-hmm. So, and also that way, like if, if it's two weeks out, even if you haven't listened to Atlas of the heart yet, you could you know, start listening to it before or even after. Yeah. Um, but yeah, lessons in chemistry was so good. I know. I love we it. We loved it. Such a good book. Yeah. So, so good. Just like really likable characters, but very quirky too. Like, yeah. 
I don't know. We had one of our friends say, well, the first little bit, I was like, this is kind of boring. Like, I don't want to learn about like a scientist couple. But then she like ended up loving it She's like, it I loved so it. Much. I want to talk about it. I finished yeah, it. I wish we could neither have... of us had yeah. finished it quite yet. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're just excited. We hope you guys are liked it. If you listened and if you haven't, or even if you're new to our podcast, just listening in for yes. Keisha or whatever, just know that we're starting this um, virtual book club, I guess you could call it, yeah. where we're just going to do a couple of books Maybe we'll continue doing two a month. We're not really sure. We're going to kind of see how it goes. We just couldn't like decide between like nonfiction and fiction. We kind of wanted to do one of each. Yes. But we thought it would just be fun. And then um, we're going to have like a book book club type discussion episode and also like ask for comments. Oh, yeah. I think you're – oh, yeah. We talked about you maybe putting – on the Instagram yeah. um, questions or like anything you want to ask or any thoughts you have about the book. Yeah. We can so like the week before episodes. our mm-hmm. episode, probably I'll post that in our stories. So just like follow our account if you're interested in being involved and yeah. hopefully it also will be, it's kind of one of those things like our friend Tasha, when she was like, when you finish a good book, you kind of just want to hear, well, what did, what did people Other think people about think, it? And, what, yeah. and, and I want to talk about part? it and this yeah. character. So Hopefully that will be this. Yeah. And, and maybe you can feel fun. part of it if you have comments or things you want to yeah. put. Um, what do you even call that? Yeah. Like just insights or uh, well, feedback. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was don't know. Thinking, like when you put it on the, what do you call it when you put it on the. Oh, on the stories. Yeah. Oh, like a comment box. Yeah. Or? Is that what you will do? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We shall see. We'll see, we'll how, see it how it works. How it works. I if hope you I have can... suggestions. Yeah. I might link it over. I don't know. I'll figure out how to do that. I haven't gotten that far yet, but we <laughs> yeah. will figure it out. <laughs> I was just kind of like trying to picture it. And I know. I, like, Wait, I don't know how we're going to do this, yeah. but we'll have a way that you can be part of it if you want to be. Yes. I know there's a way I've yes. seen it on other people. Yeah, I just same. haven't figured it out. I didn't know if there was a name for it. So yeah, I don't, maybe there is. Obviously we're newish to this. Yeah. Some of this social media stuff. So Yes. So anyway, and we want to thank all our listeners that have been listening again. We just yeah. are so grateful for our feedback and just spending some time with us listening to our amazing guests and saying, wow, this is amazing. Like, yeah. Someone asked me the other day, like, how long do you think you're going to do this? I'm like, I don't know. It's just so fun. Yeah. And I feel really so fun. like fulfilled by listening to the guests and getting an opportunity to hear their stories. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I have no intentions of. <laughs> yeah. As long as we, yeah. As long as it, it keeps, keeps working. working out. Yep. It's been awesome. Yep. So. so we're grateful for all of you that listen and. Oh, we thought we'd do a quick reminder. Like if you are listening and enjoy it, a quick review or star rating would help us a ton. We don't, like remember to ask for that very often. We're just like, I noticed on other podcasts, they ask like every episode. I know. And and I listen, I'm like, Oh, we like hardly ever do that. We kind of forget because we're, I think we're just focused on the guests and the stories, but it would mean so much to us if you did. Um, just cause of course our podcast is small and just growing and it helps. And so like on Apple, if you hop on there and scroll down, it's not super obvious right when you're on the app, but if you scroll down, to the bottom of like your the beautiful feed shifts it? page. Yeah. yeah it, page it's really whatever. quick. Even you don't even have to leave a review just a star rating super like, helpful, would yeah. be super helpful. And then on Spotify, it's right at the top. I think it's like, you have to click on the little three dots and then you just do a yes. star rating. Yes. So anyway, that helps a lot. I don't actually know how, but I know it helps. I know everybody <laughs> says it helps with Everyone the algorithms says, and yeah, helps pushing it to people's feed. People recommend it. Yeah. So yeah. And like oh, you- and I was thinking like, if there's an episode that you really enjoy, like share it with a friend. That's another oh, great that's way right. to Sharing help us out. Huge. Yeah. Like, and you know, I, I do that all the time with podcasts and things that I like. Yeah, so same. hopefully if there's something that you enjoy and think that a friend would like it, like that can help us grow and then yes. can help it, us like continue to, I mean, like we said, we love doing it, but if we feel like people are listening and getting value from it, it helps us yes, want to keep doing it and, and yeah. putting, and we want and, you guys yeah. to all hear these stories because they're yeah. so cool and amazing yeah. and just inspiring and yes, all the things. So, yes. Okay. Well, enjoy Keisha and thanks for being here. Yep.
Uh, welcome to the podcast today. Today we have Keisha Cox with us. Hi. Uh, we're happy to have you. Um, so I know Keisha because our husbands work together um, and have for quite some time, but we've just only recently kind of connected and gotten to know each other better. We got to yeah. go on a work trip together and hang out by the pool and chat <laughs> and go Fine. to dinner. Yes. yes. While our husbands. Much needed. Yes. It was awesome. <laughs> while our husbands were working. So it's been, it was fun to get to know you. And what's crazy, I think we asked you to be on the podcast before that, but you've been super busy with a wedding and just Christmas and yes. things. And so uh, we're finally connecting, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. Yes. I'm glad it's working finally. <laughs> <laughs> and what's crazy is when I thought to ask you and I had talked to my husband about it, um, I was like, she'd be really cool. You know, she's, a, you know, has a Down syndrome kid and has adopted some and there's just a lot to her story. And I actually, when I asked you, had no idea how big of a following you had. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't even know you were really on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, like people really connect to her and to her story. So yeah, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we're excited to share it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's fun. Um, I, we were saying that we kind of liked your just, um, summary of your, it's called Love Makes Miracles, and it says, blessed by Down syndrome times three, adoption, identical twins, and lots of love and chaos. And I just thought it was a nice little yes. summary. Yeah. Definitely the end one. <laughs> yeah, the chaos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the chaos is in full force usually. Yeah. It's so awesome. Um, so maybe you could tell us a little bit just to maybe where you grew up and a little bit about you and your story before we get to when you had started having kids and stuff. Okay. So I, I grew up in Holiday, Utah. Um, my husband and I met at what used to be Rick's College. It's now BYU-Idaho. Um, at the time we met, it was Rick's College. And he was playing basketball there. Um, I was going to school. And we got married after we graduated from Rick's and moved back to... Well, we lived in... After we got married, we lived in Provo for... Um, a year. And then we moved. He wanted to play basketball again and get his schooling paid for through basketball. So we transferred up to a college in Idaho, just outside of Boise, uh, the College of Idaho. And we both graduated with our bachelors at that college. Um, together, we graduated. I was like nine months pregnant. So we graduated and like then me, yeah. had our first yeah. Yes. <laughs> Good thing the gowns are really big and flowy and big and <laughs> it was great. Awesome. Um, so we graduated, I graduated with a bachelor's in social work, um, kind of that human services field, and then had our first baby, Kyra, um, little girl, in, and then we lived in Idaho for a year, about a year. And then moved back to Salt Lake area, and we've been in Murray ever since. Um, nice. And yeah, so that's that's where it started. I forgot yeah. that he kept playing more basketball. That's fun. Might as well play as long. Yes. Well, he he started different jobs while he was in college, and he's like, "Wait a second, I could just play basketball for my job yeah. for a couple more years. I'm going to do that." Yeah, of course. So then we went back, and it was super fun. And I got to, we didn't have kids, so I got to travel with him to all the games and it was a fun phase of our life yeah super fun yeah and how many kids do you have now so we have seven so we have six girls and one boy (laughs) the little boy is at the end (laughs) cool exciting yeah um so remind me 
so your first daughter is when did you have your first down syndrome and what's her name okay so we had um our first two girls kyra and adri and then our third daughter brie was born with down syndrome and we had no idea that she was going to have down syndrome um we had one uh, ultrasound during her pregnancy and they kind of were like, Oh, we need to see a specialist. This, there might be this or this going on. Um, they kind of briefly mentioned down syndrome was a possibility, but then when we saw the specialist, they basically said, no, that wasn't, um, you know, there wasn't enough proof or whatever. Um, so we kind of put that in the back of our minds and didn't really ever think of it again until she was born. And even when she was born, I did not, I have my kids C-section and so I was a little loopy um, and I did not notice, but Chris noticed right away and he knew, but he didn't say anything. Um, and the doctors like get really funny. They got really funny. Um, kind of, there was like lots of whispering going on, like after they took Brie. So they took her away from us cause she had some breathing issues and they still hadn't said anything because they're supposed to deliver, like they're supposed to deliver the news from a pediatrician. It's really strange. And the OB just kept kind of asking questions, random things like, Hey, do you think she looks like your other kids? And I was like, well, yeah, she's a little chubbier, you know, just different things. And they just kind of got funny. And finally, after lots of whispering and weirdness, they came in the room and they just said, I think we think your daughter has down syndrome. And, you know, of course, I mean, she's going to be 17 next week and I still get emotional thinking about those words and, um, like what we felt at that moment. And we didn't grow up knowing anyone with down syndrome. Um, we had a neighbor at the time I was pregnant with Brie, um, a young man who had down syndrome that we had kind of got to know a tiny bit, um, through his parents. And so that was about our only connection. So we were terrified, like to say the least. And we cried and cried and well, I cried and cried. Chris was like a rock and he just kept going and he's like, it's going to be fine. And he, at least he didn't cry in front of me. Um, he cried away from me, but so they took her, um, to the NICU or whatever. And I didn't get to see her for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And so I remember just being given this like crumbling news that my whole life of what I had imagined our family was going to look like. And, you know, we were having a third little daughter and it was going to be so perfect. And our other two girls were so excited to have another sister. And all of that in my mind was just crashing down and like everything I had envisioned was just gone. And so I just remember thinking, like, how am I going to do this? How, how do we tell her sisters? Like, what does it mean for them? And then we didn't get to see her for that whole day. Like my husband could go down, but it, you know, they're better at this now. But back then they kept me in the recovery room and like, I couldn't walk and stuff because of the C-section. So they didn't wheel me down till the next day. And I just remember reaching into her little incubator and her teeny fingers and she just wrapped her hand around my finger and I just knew that it was going to be okay. 
um, I wanted to know how it was going to be okay. Like I wanted to feel like some awesome, you know, direction or feeling of how it was going to be okay. And I didn't feel that, but I did feel this shift in my fear. And I felt this, like, all you have to do is take the next step and it's going to be okay. And that next step was just her and was just being her mom and just enjoying her as a baby. And I, and so that's, that's where that all started with Brie. Yeah. It's just, it's like beautiful because really Mm -hmm. we all have kids not knowing what's going to happen. I mean, I mentioned, I mean, I, we talked about this a lot in, on our little trip together, but I, you know, had a kid that seemed healthy when I had him, everything was fine. And then within just a few days we were in the hospital and not knowing what's wrong. And then the next few days later we were life lighted to primaries and not knowing. And I also didn't know like how this was affecting his brain and how it was going to affect him as a child mm-hmm. and his learning and his life or our lives, you know? So we all kind of, you know, we're, I think it makes us seem like, wow, we're actually pretty f- like fortunate. It happens. Everything's healthy because you know, it doesn't always happen that right. way, but at the same time it can be yeah. such a, like, like you said, like a beautiful shift to think of it in a different way and to just kind of accept like, okay, well, I love this little baby. So whatever comes, comes, we'll just take it, a, you know, a day mm-hmm. at a time, step at a time and to see, but you just can't know what it looks like, but you knew with your other daughters, okay, this is what it looks like. This is what we're doing. And Right. Yeah. So. And it's, yeah, it's kind of like this, uh, like we sometimes will joke, you know, with the Down syndrome diagnosis, like they give you this diagnosis and all of a sudden it's like this whole list of things that can go wrong. And I'm like, they don't, you know, they didn't deliver Kyra, my first baby and say, well, when she's 12, she's going to break her arm. And when she's 13, she's going to have struggles with friends. And, you know, when she's 15, she's going to have asthma and just, you know, whatever is to come. Like nobody says all of that when, when they're handing you this brand new baby, but with Down syndrome or with special needs, like, you know, you're talking about with your son's um, health things. It's like all of a sudden you're just given all of this stuff at once. And you're like, oh my goodness. Like, how about I just enjoy my baby first Mm. and then take those steps. And I remember some of the things I worried about the most when she was a newborn was like, what am I going to do if she doesn't go to the high school dance? What am I going to do with puberty? Like, what are we going to do when she doesn't move out of the house? Like, why was I thinking of all those things when she was a baby, you know, but it's just kind of like this bombardment of your life supposed to be one way. And then all of a sudden it's shifting and changing and you're like reeling in all the things that all the unknowns basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think humans, we do that so much, you know, let's worry about the things yeah. we can't control. It's easy to yeah. spiral. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, think so far ahead and make it so existential and stressful when sometimes the moment, the moments can be hard, but at least they're, it's one at a time, like one moment at a time or one thing at a time. Yes. Yeah. One of the things that still helps me to remember is a quote from Abraham Lincoln that says, the great thing about the future is it comes one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, anytime I start to spiral with what's next and how am I going to, you know, I've mastered this stage we're in now, what then I just have to step back and think you don't have to have it figured out. Just have to do it one day at a time. Sometimes it's one minute at a time. But yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I was just thinking so I had my I have twins and they're uh, fraternal boy girl. 
but my boy was in the NICU for like a month and he was pretty sick and we didn't know, you know, like what, what was going to happen, but it is hard. Like you're trying to enjoy this newborn, but you're bombarded with all the things. So I was just thinking about that, how it's an anxious time anyway, having a new baby, but so, and I'm sure, and then already knowing she's special needs from the get go and then adding all the list of all the things, like you said in your head, I mean, that would be a lot. So that's just given me something new to think about. I mean, I don't have any children that our special needs, each of them have their own unique challenges though. Just like you're saying your oldest daughter, I mean, right. well, yeah, up front when they're babies, you yeah. don't know, but yeah, actually, yeah, they all have <laughs> hard, hard things, but, exactly. but yeah, at that, I mean, it's kind of, yeah. Some of them are trickier than the like quote special right. needs. Sure, ones, so. right. Yeah. Cause some of just the depends. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly that gives yeah. me, I'm glad you said that because it gives me kind of a new appreciation. I feel like for parents that have that news, right. I mean, I just never really thought of it that way, but yeah, that's a whole, whole new list of, you know, anxieties and things that you're probably dealing with right there as they're a child. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something that could be handled a little better, but with delivering the news in the right way, but I think it's, I'm sure it's hard. (laughs) You don't want to give any bad news to any parent for whatever reason, but and it's hard for the professionals right. to know. Cause I remember thinking that with Asher too, it was like, well, it could be this and it could be this. And you know, even though, and everything ended up being okay, it, yeah. it does cause a lot. They got yeah. yeah, give you the warnings and yeah. So, yeah. I was wondering if you could give us like a, just kind of a quick rundown of like, what are some of the complications with Down syndrome? Because I know like a lot, you know, like their lungs and their heart and different things that come along with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so a really common one that's probably that one of the highest risk ones is heart um, conditions, a lot of heart problems. My three did not have, well, I should say Noah has one, but it did not require surgery. So uh, about 50% of kids with Down syndrome will need, will have a heart condition. And then a large majority of those will need surgery. Um, it's one of the reasons that like the lifespan of people with Down syndrome has gotten better over the years because it's all things that we've now figured out how to intervene and, and help sooner so that they can live longer. So heart problems is huge. Um, and that one also greatly affects like everything else. They kind of ripple. They all have, um, low muscle tone. So everything is just harder takes longer to learn how to do, um, walking, eating, um, all of those things are due to low muscle tone. So it takes, just takes more therapies and more time to do that. Um, they have very small air passages. Um, and so they get sick really quite easy, especially as they're younger. Um, so we spent lots of time in the hospital with, you know, just, like what would be a common cold for my other kids would usually put them, you know, needing oxygen in the hospital. So things like that. Um, and they just get, even now that they're older and healthier and not as having as many complications, they still just get sick way easier and it just kind of lasts longer. So things like that. Um, there's really, it's really mostly just the lower or the higher risk for, different complications. Um, the heart one is the biggest and then just everything kind of, they kind of just, my kids kind of just do their own thing. And my pediatrician, we've had him forever and for all my kids. And he just laughs and he's like, well, of course you're 
your kids would do that because that's <laughs> the unique way to do it. Like that's not the common result of this virus or whatever. Um, and it's just kind of a unique makeup with that extra chromosome that kind of just changes everything from being real clear cut to, you know, it might look like this and it might quickly take a change for the worst just because of how their body bodies handle stuff. So. And then like intellectually, I, in high school, I, um, one of my classes to, was to work with the down syndrome kids, like that were in my area and they'd get, <clears throat> come over to the high school and we go. And I, of course, only got to see the very enjoyable parts, like their loving personality, like very, like one of yeah. them just loved Michael Jackson and was constantly wanting to dance and sing to Michael Jackson. So like, it was my favorite part of my day was just being like, wow, these kids are amazing and they're just happy and they just are, I don't know. So like, yeah. <clears throat> I'm sure there's harder things as well coming along with intellectual part, like you said, with school or maybe trying to, you know, fit in or whatever. But what are some of those? Maybe just like differences or, or like, yeah, learning. Like the challenges. Yeah, yeah, exactly. More on that cognitive Mm -hmm. side. So that one is very, um, like, I don't, there's not really a, um, like a very wide range. Specific pattern. I guess Mm -hmm. there's like tendencies that, yeah that there's tendencies that all of my kids have, but it's kind of funny because when we adopted Mia um, and we can get back to the adoption side in a minute, but when we adopted Mia, I was like, Oh, she's the same age as Brie. Like they're both girls. They're both the same age. They both have Down syndrome. We already know how to do this. This is going to be easy. (laughs) They'll be the same. They are not the same. They're like complete opposites. And then our son Noah same thing. Like I have three with Down syndrome and they all are very, very different. And so I think even for me as a parent of a child with Down syndrome, I just kind of assumed like, oh, this is how it'll be because she has Down syndrome. But it's, it's just like any of my other kids, like they have different things that play into their DNA. They have different things that play into their personality from their background or from, you know, the parents, personalities, whatever it is. Um, I think that that a lot of times people kind of just assume that, and not in a wrong way, like I I used to do it too, just assume that everyone with Down syndrome is the same, you know, in like what they like or their capabilities or what they don't like. And they're really all very, very different. And so, yes, there's tendencies. Like we laugh when we're at gatherings with other kids with Down syndrome because They kind of all have like things that are similar, you know, like they don't do well with transitions or a lot of our kids don't do well with loud noises. And so, yes, there's like things that seem to come up with in similarities with people with Down syndrome, but it's all very different. Um, My daughter, Mia, that we adopted, she actually has Down syndrome and autism, which is kind of more common now. Um, that a lot of kids have a dual diagnosis. Um, but also some of that overlaps a lot with, you know, what is, what is, what of this behavior is from down syndrome? What of it is from autism? What's from her trauma from her background, you know? So it's, it's all just very different. Yeah. Just like any of my other kids. I like how you pointed that out and something else to think about is, just like, yeah, probably just like adopting. I mean, it's like, I have a 14 year old daughter and if I adopted another 14 year old, yeah, they're, they're typical. The yeah. They're going to be 
so different. Sounds the same with special needs yeah. kids or down syndrome, but yeah, I just thought that was a great thing to point out. It's, yeah. 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 Well, maybe you could take us back and explain how you ended up adopting the additional children and then just like what your family, yeah. How the order of your children, I'd love to know too, what other biological ones you ended up having and how it all played in. It's just mm-hmm. always so interesting to me how, yeah. okay. and really cool. Okay. So we had our two or our three daughters, um, Brie was the third. And after Brie was born, we wanted more kids and we were like, you know, we can, we can do this. Like there was a time where we thought maybe we can't do more because of down syndrome. Like maybe this is just where we're at with these three, which would have been fine, but we kept feeling like that wasn't the case. Um, so we had, we tried to get pregnant and we had lots of, um, infertility problems at that point. I hadn't had, so I had one miscarriage before my first and then was fine getting pregnant the next three times, no complications, you know, pregnancies were fine. And then after Brie, we had two more miscarriages, one miscarriage at 16 weeks and then one ectopic, um, pregnancy. And so about that time after the ectopic, I was like, okay, so maybe this is not in our cards you know, we're good, but I still kept feeling like our family wasn't complete. Um, and so during that time we, we had in our community, some connections to a group or an organization called Reese's rainbow, which is an orphan ministry. Um, and they, it's not an adoption agency, but they help advocate for kids in Eastern European countries that have special needs, mainly down syndrome, um, but other special needs as well. And, that are in orphanages. Um, so we had seen kids that were in this situation, um, but hadn't really felt anything, any pull towards that. Um, and then kind of started filling the poll. So we were, you know, we'd get on looking at this website and see these pictures of these kids. And, um, in the Eastern European countries, they are abandoned at birth because of their diagnosis. So, you know, we think we're behind, we think we have a lot of work to do here with equal rights for people with disabilities. And in these Eastern European countries, it's like Mm -hmm. 50 years behind. Um, And they just don't have the resources. They don't believe that they're capable of living a life. And so the parents um, give them up right away. So our, you know, we were looking at these websites and I kept saying to myself, okay, fine. If I'm going to look at that, like I knew I was supposed to look. And I was kind of mad, you know, and thinking, okay, this is fine, but I'm only going to adopt if I can get a baby because I had the, the loss at 16 weeks yeah. was like mm-hmm. super, super hard. And I felt like I yeah. needed a baby to, yeah. you know, to heal that. Um, so I would get online and there were no babies. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm not doing this. So kept kind of trying to put it off. And then one day... Um, I was scrolling through back then it was blogs, not Instagram. And someone had done a post about this little girl named Corrine and she was four and a half and she was going to age out of the system. Meaning, so they're put in the orphanage when they're born. And then when they turn four, four to five, depending on the orphanage, um, they're moved from the baby house to an adult mental institution, which if they are moved to the adult mental, mental institution, they usually don't live past maybe a year. Um, oh, that's so sad. And if they do, it's 
horrible, horrible circumstances. Mm. Like the orphanages are not good, but better than an adult mental institution. And so this person on their blog was trying to find a family for this little girl. And her blog post said, will you say yes? And so I just remember I scrolled and this little picture comes up with the words, will you say yes? And I just bawled. And I was sitting at my computer and my husband walks in. He thought someone, something horrible had happened. He's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I think we're supposed to go get this little girl who's in Ukraine. And we'd never like felt like adoption was for us. We never talked about it. It was never like something we even looked at and until this. And so we knew that she was, um, she didn't have time on her side because they were going to move her. And sometimes you just don't know if you can get to them if they're moved. It's, it's all very strange. Um, so we started the process to get to her. Um, luckily they kept her at the baby house till we got there. So we brought her home in 2011 and she was four and a half and she had lived, she had been a preemie. She was born premature and then left in the hospital. So she spent three months alone in a NICU in Ukraine and then was moved to this baby house, um, and then lived there for four years. Um, and then we brought her home when she was four and a half and then, we got home with her and a week later I was like, Oh, I'm kind of still having jet lag. This is weird. Why is it lasting so long? And so then I realized it was not jet lag and I was actually pregnant and we had been doing like Clomid before the adoption. Like we had done all sorts of things. Um, but then we stopped it all because we were adopting. So we're like, okay, this is what we're doing. Um, and then, we got back a week later and found out we were pregnant. Wow. Um, and then a couple weeks after that, found out it was twins. Oh and when we found out oh. it was twins, I was by myself. So, like, my husband went with me for the first appointment because we knew I was high risk. So, they had us come in early and, like, start some shots to try and keep the pregnancy and stuff. Um, and then two weeks later, we went just for a checkup, like, my nine-week checkup. So, I was by myself. And the doctor's like, uh, I think there's two heartbeats and I'm like, oh besides God. mine, right. like, yeah, like you're not going to be mine yeah. as one of those. <laughs> and so, yeah, so we had found out we were pregnant with twins. And then shortly after, like a couple weeks after that, we found out they had what's called twin to twin transfusion syndrome, which means, so they were, they are identical, but this condition is a, uh, condition of the placenta and so it basically like doesn't share it share their nutrients equally so the babies were sharing like one baby was basically giving everything to the other baby Mm. and so it was causing the one baby to have um not enough and she was dying and then the other baby was getting too much and was at risk of going into heart failure because it wasn't the right amount either. So they watch you. And then, um, at 20 weeks, we went to our appointment on a Monday and they said, um, this has turned bad. Like baby B's sack is not showing up anymore. Like the amniotic sack on the ultrasound, there's no bladder showing up. Like she's dying. And then I had so much amniotic fluid that the other one was, um, 
going to die as well if they mm-hmm. didn't do something. So they told us to get on a plane and go to California that night in two days. So we found out on a Monday. Wednesday, we had to be to California to see this specialist at the time. This was in 2011. Um, at the time, there was only five to 10 doctors in the country that did the surgery because they have to do it in like this certain window to try and save either of the babies. So you had to go and see if you were a candidate for the surgery. So we fly down Wednesday, found out we were a candidate for the surgery. They're like, okay, you're, we're going to do the surgery Thursday morning. Um, and it's like a, uh, in utero surgery, but they do, um, kind of like lasering. It's the best way to explain it. Like, so I'm awake. I was awake for it. Um, and they just try and laser kind of like make a, a cutoff, like where the nutrients are being shared in the blood vessels. And so, and then they just hope that the babies, that your body figures it out and gives it back to the babies the correct way and that they both survive it. Um, and so then you have to wait 24 hours to find out if that, if it worked. Um, and then, I was put on bed rest for five months. So oh my gosh. And that's with four kids Mia, at home. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Mia's like brand new home. She doesn't speak English. She is just this little tiny four and a half year old. Um, like hadn't even been out of the orphanage ever. Like mm-hmm. they didn't even really go outside on their grounds. Wow. And so we have these two little girls with Down syndrome who are like, Essentially, they felt like twin two-year-olds at the time, even though they were almost five. And I'm on bed rest for five months, and and there's these four kids at home. So that was That's, super tricky yeah. time. I'm assuming um, you had like to a, figure out some help, some uh, parents yeah, or siblings uh, or yeah. neighbors or friends or yes, <laughs> our our families and our neighborhood. They all just took signups and because I could take care of myself, like I could get up to get myself food, but then I had to be like laying back down. And so I just couldn't take care of anyone else. So yeah, we had great support and miraculous things happened during those five months. Um, and then they made it to term the babies and they didn't need any time in the NICU. So they, that was a miracle too. Um, so then they were born in 2012. Um, and we thought we were good. We were now well <laughs> over our limit <laughs> of like kind of had quadruplets for a time because yeah, our yeah. two girls with Down syndrome were younger. We still had four in diapers, like four sippy cups, four, oh, like wow. two double strollers, all the things. So we were like, we're good. We just have six girls. And then we felt the tug again for adoption. And, um, and this was a shift that I wasn't prepared for, like, I wasn't prepared to fill the adoption poll again. But when we went down the road of that, it was for a specific little boy in another country. And then we felt sure that he was our child. And long story short, we were told that we could not adopt him uh, because of our religious beliefs. And so that felt like this door had just been slammed, you know, like we questioned everything. We were like, okay, we didn't necessarily want to look for this road. And we shifted and decided to go down this path because we felt like we were supposed to. And then it still didn't work out. 
yeah. how yeah. we thought. Like what is, yeah, and what so, is this supposed to mean? Yeah, <laughs> and did yeah you like find we questioned everything. On that same website that you had found your Mia on? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was a different country. Okay. Um, but so they had like some different requirements. Okay. But yeah, the same Reese's Rainbow. Um, and so my husband kind of felt like, okay, that's, that's it. Like that was, that was us following and it's not what we're supposed to do, but I never stopped feeling that. Um, and so I just kind of kept it in the back of my mind and about, I don't know, a year later, maybe, um, we found a little boy, another little boy, and that is Noah who we now have. And we adopted him in 2000. Let's see, 16. Yeah. He was born in 15, 2015. So we adopted him when he was one. Um, and that's the, that's the whole crew. crew. So he's one boy and six girls. And then my oldest is now married. So we have a son-in-law too, but wow, it's awesome. They're a beautiful family. You're super cute family. That's that's like the, the short condensed throw it all at you version. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Cause I know like, um, I was curious, I like, it was a process, right? I mean, to go to another country and adopt a baby, like you had to stay there for a while and Mm-hmm. stuff. It's like a process, right? A big, yeah. Yeah. You have to live there for, I mean, we lived there probably like six weeks oh, so, wow. um, that you have to stay at least one of you. Um, with Mia, Chris, my husband, Chris came and stayed the whole time because she was like on this remote outskirt area. And so it just didn't make sense to go back and forth. But then obviously we had a lot more kids when Noah came around. And so Chris didn't stay the whole time. So we kind of did shifts of like a friend came out one time to Ukraine and helped with part of it. And so I stayed the whole time with Noah's adoption. Um, But Noah's adoption was different. Mia's had, um, we had no contact with her birth family. Like their names were on her court documents, but that's it. They didn't want to be connected to her at all. Um, they never came even to her court hearing, you know, when, she, when they gave up the rights of birth and all that, they just moved on. And Noah's uh, birth mom was very different and she did not want to give him up, but she kind of had to make a choice between him and her other son and husband um, because they couldn't take care of him with him having Down syndrome. So she gave him up to the orphanage and the orphanage told her that, and she's like her story. I could do like a whole nother podcast on, (laughs) but her, the brief version of her is she just gave him up. And then she heard that the only way he would be adopted is from someone from America. And so she started learning English just in case someone ever came and she never went and visited him at the orphanage. Um, she would drop off diapers once in a while, but she never visited him. And then, you know, simultaneously we're pursuing him. Um, and we are arriving in Ukraine to meet him. And she decides, has this feeling to reach out to the social worker and just ask her, like, has anyone asked about my boy? And the social worker is like, actually, this family is arriving in two days to meet him. And so she was like, oh, my, I want to meet them. So she asked permission or the social worker asked our permission if we would meet her. And so long story short, we 
got to meet his birth mom, um, in Ukraine, spend time with her in Ukraine and still have a beautiful relationship with her to this day. And that's actually why she's where my Instagram name comes from. Um, why I chose the name love makes miracles. And she's the reason that, well, Noah's story, like I had to make my Instagram public at that time because she couldn't be connected to us. Um, because it's such a taboo over there to have a child with Down syndrome. Like even her son didn't know that Noah existed and none of her family knows. Like if you have a child with Down syndrome, you leave the hospital, nobody asks questions. Like either the child passed away or they just assume that it, you know, had special needs. And so she couldn't be connected to me. So that's where my social media kind of came from was just, it started out as just a way for her to check up if she wanted. And if she didn't, she didn't have to, like there was no pressure, but it turned into this beautiful, um, relationship with all of us. It's been really cool. That is really cool. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's like, I have a family member that gave a baby up for adoption and it's really, I mean, especially in a situation where she didn't really, it sounds like she might not have even had a choice. Um, but to even, but if you do, even if you have a choice, like it's a very selfless thing that can, yeah, you know, be so hard, but could bring so much love in a way. And I think it's so cool that you're able to have a relationship with her in a way that she can keep in contact and see Noah grow up and, you know, thrive. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really, really beautiful. Yeah. Like heartbreaking too. Yeah, exactly. That she would like go to those lengths to keep in contact and want to see through what, what happened to him. I mean, at the same time, you can't blame anyone else for maybe wanting to just cut the ties because it might be really hard to do that as well, you know, but she, I don't know, just seems like it would take a really strong person, but also really neat that she loved him, you know, she loved him and she wanted to see through that. Yeah. It was, he was going to end up in a good place and it's probably been so satisfying for her or so like just amazing for her to see the amazing family that he went to and yeah, and, all these siblings yeah. and loving parents. Yeah. And yeah. That's a safe, really cool. a safe place. It's yeah. She, um, would often, you know, just make comments that it would, of course it doesn't take away her pain of not, of her not being the one to get to raise him and hold him and all of those things, but it helps fill that void of knowing that she made the right decision and that, you know, she often will say to me, you were supposed to be his mom. I was just the means to get him to you Mm. and to bring him to this earth and that you were always meant to be his mom. And, you know, he was meant to do so much more than he could have done here. Like his life has just, I mean, when we brought him home, he, he probably wouldn't have survived much longer in the orphanage. He was so sick um, from malnourishment and just neglect and all the things. And, he spent the first two years basically in and out of the hospital and fighting for his life again. You know, he had fought that whole first year in the orphanage and then two more years before he really got healthy. And now you would never have any idea. Like he's just thriving. He is everyone's best friend. And he's just like this epitome of joy and hope and like, This is what happens when you believe in someone and when you give love to someone like his life is that Mm. because he was this little, um, malnourished, like terrified little boy. And now he's just 
changing everyone's lives just by being him. And that's a very different thing than he would have had in, in Ukraine, because even if she had kept him, she would tell me, you know, pediatricians won't see him um, because of his diagnosis. I would have to move to a, she kept saying, I'd have to move out to the, you know, farms and basically just keep him inside anyway. Mm. So it was, it was a very hard reality for her to know that she couldn't do that for him, but then to choose him over her own desire to be his mom. So, yeah, Yeah, that really is amazing to me that, um, a country like that, like just isn't, they don't understand or have enough information about how they can thrive. I mean, so many down syndrome people, like, right. I just feel like they, they can thrive with, like you said, with love and some care, um, they can have such a good life. So that's just, Mm -hmm. yeah. And just opportunities like that. Um, I remember, one of the workers at the orphanage, like we showed him some pictures of what Brie does. So Brie, this was when we were adopting Mia and Brie, you know, was dancing at the time she was three years old and, and they were just shocked. Like they really think that this child with down syndrome is never going to be able to do anything that, that another child does. And it's really, um, unfortunate to say the least, but sad too, that that's, that's just how it's looked at over there. And it's just knowledge, lack of knowledge, you know, they're not bad people. Um, they just don't know better. And so it's one of the reasons we've fought and done so much advocacy, you know, with our family is because we're like, this is, there is so much more to, a person with a disability than what society usually gives them. And when we give them the opportunities to, to shine and to thrive, that benefits all of us. And it's not, you know, the things that I fight for with inclusion and with opportunities for my kids with special needs, I'm simultaneously fighting for those opportunities for my kids without special needs, because I don't want my kids without special needs living in a world that isn't surrounded by kids with special needs. Right. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's it's just like, we're not, we're not fighting this advocacy just so that my three with down syndrome get opportunities. It's because everybody is better because of this unity that comes from being in the same space as people that are different than you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It reminds me. So my daughter who's 14 is doing peer tutoring. She just started in a peer tutoring class and she loves it. She loves being around those kids. But then my older son who's 16, he hasn't ever done that. And so we were kind of talking and I Mm -hmm. did that too. Growing, I I always liked that. And I had a cousin growing up who was a year older than me, who she wasn't down syndrome, but she has a rare chromosomal disorder. And so I kind of grew up around this, you know, we played all the time. I mean, we were really close as family. So I just realized like, oh, wow, my older son hasn't actually, I do have a niece that has Mm -hmm. pretty severe autism who's eight, but you know, she's quite a bit younger. So anyway, Mm -hmm. I, but I was telling my kids kind of what you were saying. I mean, I was like, 
you have to realize like we're giving them the opportunity to be in the schools and that's great that they're having it, but it's as much of a benefit for, for us, like for you guys and, and for us to be able to have them right. in those spaces with us. It's teaching us inclusion. It's teaching us that not everyone has to be the same and they're still valuable and they still have so much to offer the world and their personalities, you know, they have gifts like we can help each other. You know, you guys might have a, something right. that you can share with them, but they have something that because of their uniqueness, you know? So anyway, it was, I love this. And I'm actually excited as you're talking, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have them listen to this kids, yeah. episode. It's not often that I'm like, you guys need to listen to one of our Podcast. podcasts, <laughs> but I feel like this <laughs> is just a good, a good yeah. yeah, this is good for kids the to peer, hear. The peer tutor program is life-changing yeah. for yeah. everyone involved. Mm-hmm. And I, like when I hear of places that don't have that in their schools, I'm like, that is the first thing. Yeah. That is the first thing that every school should have yeah. because it gives that, it gives a more, um, an easier access to, to be in this world of, of that inclusion. Because, you know, if the kids just go to your school, um, and you just see them in the halls, yeah. like that's, that's not the same level of gaining that you get if you have a relationship with them, like you do with the peer tutors. And, um, my two girls with down syndrome. So Brie dances on the drill team for the high school. She tried out four years ago while her older sisters both danced. And she always had that dream to be on the drill team. And she was like, she would tell it. I mean, she knew all their dances and I'm talking from when she was tiny, like seven or eight. And she just kept saying she was going to do it. I'm going to be at Murray. And we kind of were, you know, like, oh, like, how do we break the news happens. to you that you're yeah. not going to do that? Yeah. You know, like we doubted ourselves and we shouldn't have because she just is like, watch me. And so she kept dancing and then um, tried out. And we had a coach at the time that saw her, saw Brie for who she was, which was a young girl who wanted to dance and who had a abil- like dancing ability. Like she has talent. But this coach could have said, could have just seen Down syndrome and she could have just seen her diagnosis and said she can't be on a competition high school sports team, you know, because drill is, is competitive and it's a sports team. And, but she didn't. And she saw, you know, we, we took a leap of faith and let Brie try out. And, and this coach saw more than the disability. And as the years have gone on, she's now finishing her third year on the drill team and it's hard, hard work. Like she gets up at 5 a.m. every day. She has night practices. It's an all-year sport. And she has like blown us all out of the water that she can really do this. And in the meantime, obviously I've had lots of conversations with these other families of how this has impacted different people. And one of the things is you were talking about your your kids and you know how one has had more opportunities than the other. And there's a couple girls on the team who, when Brie made the team, they were really nervous. Like they didn't, you know, I can remember specific pictures that we took with the first team and different girls not knowing, like, do I hold her hand or do I put my arm around her? Whereas with the other girls, they just do that. Right. Um, And as different families have come through the drill program and different girls, every girl that has been nervous about, how to interact with Brie or how to have her as a teammate has left the program as her best friend. 
and I was talking to some of the moms and it's like, I think people outside of the special needs community sometimes get, and I was the same way before I was part of the special needs community. We get nervous of like, well, I don't know how to act. Like, I don't know, you know, some people just get it. There are some people that are just meant to be in the special needs community, working with kids with special needs, all those things. They just like are born with that. But then there's lots of us who are not. And, but we have the ability to get there if we have the opportunity to try. And so that's what I've loved watching on this drill team is that all of them, because they were given a space where Brie was part of their space and they have spent 40 hours a week, at least with this girl, which you don't get anywhere else. Like you don't spend that much time with a kid with special needs, you know, at your school. And this was rare. And so these girls have now completely figured out how to interact with someone that's different than them. And it's just been so awesome to see that that's what we need to give our kids. Not, you know, we, we can't expect our kids to make good choices and to include people and to be kind to any difference if we aren't giving them the opportunities to try it, you know, and, and a safe space where they can try and they can realize like, it's okay to be nervous. It's okay to not know how to handle this person. You know, we don't know how to handle a typical friend at school all the (laughs) time, you know, but for some reason there's like more of this fear sometimes of how to interact. And that's probably been my favorite part of from peer tutor to anything in the high school community. And then obviously escalated through this drill program is that it has given so many people the opportunity to learn how to be inclusive. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, all those programs are so good. And for my son, um, he, I mean, it was such an amazing experience for him, like high school because of the programs they had and the kids that really reached out to him. Like he loves the high school to this day. He's like the biggest fan and wants to still go to the games and be part of right. the school. To, yeah. And, but like you said, a girl specifically, um, this girl, Megan, like was just like you're saying, just knew how to treat kids like, and just knew how to connect mm-hmm. with them and has a special gift. And I know her mom and I was like, she's literally an angel. Like she literally started my son's high school experience by inviting him to sit with her at lunch and that it just went up from there. Like, and that's her mom says, she's like, Oh yeah, she just has a special gift. And of course that's what she's doing with her career right now is working with kids with special (laughs) needs. And I'm like, yeah, that is your calling in life because you're amazing. Right. Um, but it also is a good, exactly. But I think her friends, the same thing, like he became friends with her friends because she set that example. And really, I think at least for a lot of them, they just want to be treated like everybody else. You know, I think a lot of them just want to fit in. They want to feel like part of the high school and part of the friends and, and not be, you know, seen differently or treated differently. And yeah, I just think some of these programs, I've been so impressed, at least here in Utah at our school and how, what a good experience he had. Well, I love how, like what you said with it just started with that one, Mm -hmm. it started with one girl and one act, Yep. you know, I like, we don't have to be overwhelmed with how we solve all the things or how we do all the things you just shift to that one choice. And then that ripples Mm -hmm. and it ripples, you know, 
maybe her friends, this Megan, her friends weren't born with that gift, but they watch her Mm -hmm. and they're like, wait, I can do, I can ask someone to sit by me. Like that's, that's easy. And it just turns into more of like, they end up gaining so much more than they're really giving in the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause that's kind of along the same lines. I was just thinking, it's cool to think like, so even with like your daughter on the drill team, it kind of started with the coaches having kind of a more open-minded mindset about, okay, we can, we can make this work with this girl and she has talent and she wants to be here, you know, she's yeah. willing to work. She's yeah. willing to do it. Yeah. And so then they kind of, you know, kind of go outside of the box a right. little bit and put her on the team. But then, so it's giving your daughter this amazing opportunity, but also all these girls that are on the team with her. And I was just thinking about how cool yeah. it is that these girls, that's going to serve them for the rest of their whole life. Like chances are one of them may end up having a special needs kid, kid at some point. Right. Some of them might realize, oh, I do have a gift with these kids and I could go into a career like this. Yeah. So I just felt like on the broader level, how cool it is. It's just, it's too bad. Like in these countries, like Ukraine and these yeah, others so that if these are the steps, you know, like if you don't put yeah. special needs children and people in the places, then how, how else do we, do people learn? Right. The benefit, you know, benefiting everyone, benefiting them, benefiting the the kids and the adults that are around them. So anyway, but I think it's really cool just going back to like those coaches that they, that they did that. And yeah. also you encouraged your daughter too. you know, it's just like everyone, just a lot of neat pieces that go together yeah. to make a really cool experience. Well, I remember the first, the first performance she went, so she made the team in her freshman year. And I remember sitting in the stands and her first performance, she's about to go on the gym floor in front of all these people. And I literally had to keep myself sitting in my seat. I was like turning to my husband. No, we can't let her do this. Like, what if she fails? What if people make fun of her? What if she makes a mistake and people make fun of her? What if all the what ifs, like all my fears, what ifs I wanted to protect her, of course, but it was just the spiral of fear. And I didn't stop her. And I just think like how often do we let that fear of the unknown or that fear of the risk we're trying to take stop us from these beautiful things, you know? And even now I tell that coach, she now has a different coach. Um, and the one who was there when, when she started, I tell her all the time, like you gave her this, you did this. Like I'm always thanking her. And she's like, stop. This is like, this is what everyone should be doing. She's like, I didn't do anything special. Like Brie has the ability to be here, you know, and, and so it was just, it's just been beautiful to see like that unfold and all these people, like you're saying, you know, whether these girls on the team end up having an experience with special needs or, you know, Brie's, she performs at every, all these huge dance competitions and high school events and someone in the stands, you know, I think if I had, if I had sat in a, high school gym when I was in high school and watched someone like Brie on a dance team fast forward to when someone said your daughter has down syndrome like yeah, my that, experience but... would have been so different mm-hmm. your fear would be... I would not I would have been like oh my gosh I'm so excited like right. this is gonna be amazing you know and yes there's struggles but it's just that different shift of like what where do we find the beauty in the hard versus just leaving the hard and but on the flip side my other daughter Mia she doesn't have the capability like athletic wise to be on a dance team like that isn't her thing 
And so it's been really cool to see how her space is at the high school because they're the same grade. And she does a lot of the unified programs. And she really, really struggled with behavior in junior high, sixth grade through junior high um, and start of high school. And as the years have gone on and she's found people in her space who believe in her, who love her, even when she's acting out aggressively to them. Um, now she is thriving and she's happy at school and she is excited to be at school and all because different people along the way have believed in her, even though she's a little bit harder, like to, you know, to get her to love you back, I guess is the best way for to describe her. Um, and it's just like, there isn't a one size fits all like we were talking about earlier, but there's ways like there's people in Mia's life who are changed because of her. And there's people in Bree's life who are changed because of her and vice versa. Like both of them, it's just finding a space where you have opportunity to grow together. Yeah. I think so much, um, what you were saying is the couple things that can change so much is just believing in somebody, um, and giving them like the confidence or, and loving them. And all those things have gotten your kids to where they are, you know, compared to if Noah had been left at the orphanage because they don't have those systems in place or they don't understand or the education to know how much he could thrive with those few things. Like obviously health is important. Like get his health and nutrition and all of that, but also like believing that he can grow and learn and giving them the confidence and the love. You know, I think of some of the teachers at Riverton school was a little bit hard for Peyton. And so we'd go to his classes and go to parent teacher conference. And most of the teachers would compliment him, whether he had a C or whether he had an A, it was, I wish all my students were like Peyton. He's such a hard worker and he comes in and he, you know, he focuses and he doesn't whatever, but those are the things that Peyton needed to hear to feel like he could keep going and do well. And those classes. And I, I mean, all the time I just feel, and one of them chose him as um, the student of the month, which meant so much to him, you know, to be the student that got chose, to got recognized because my other kids have their sports and their other things that they get all these like accolades and recognition mm-hmm. for. And so for him to have that, like just little things can really um, just change someone's view of themselves and that they believe in themselves to be able to do those things as well. Yeah. Yeah. And they like hold it with them, you know, cause that's mm-hmm. the cool thing about Peyton. Like you said, he still loves the high school and, and oh, has yeah. such a good <laughs> memory of it. And I think right. that's good. I mean, I'm thinking about our kids, like to have those conversations with them. Like, it's not just that you're going to brighten their day today, but oh, realize yeah. like this could be a good, Im- a long impact. And also just like we said before, back for, for the neurotypical kids as well. It's to put the, like, I think sometimes it takes a little bravery, like you were saying earlier, because they don't maybe know. Yes how these kids are going to respond. It's probably down to not so much fear, but just like the unknown, you know, like, especially if they don't have any kids in their family, you don't have experience. Yeah. Yeah. But so putting themselves out there just a little bit and realizing I might not know exactly how this is going to go, but maybe, you know, I asked this kid to sit by me at lunch or something like that. And yeah. Yeah. It's it's really neat. I love that. I was wondering a little more about, because you've given us some personality traits of your daughters. Like what is Noah? I mean, he's younger, but what is he kind of into? What are his things that make him happier that he, he is like the love magnet and like Mm -hmm. this social, he has the most tender heart 
of anyone you've ever met and his whole life is like worrying slash being worrying and being so happy to make sure other people are happy like if anyone else is at all upset or if he thinks someone's gonna get mad like he's doing everything he can to to change that and he just he's honestly never upset um he just has this like radiant joy that I wish I had Mm -hmm. that's just like seeing life in it's like he's obsessed with Christmas stuff all things Christmas like Elf and Home Alone and The Grinch and all the things and one of the lines in Elf is like treat every day like Christmas and that is literally how he lives his life like he's just it's like Christmas morning all the time now of course he you know he's a kid like he has things that he doesn't like and but it's very rare he just is always he just wants to be social he wants to be around his people he loves um he just loves like social interaction so and yeah he's younger he's eight so he hasn't you know he's still in elementary um not a ton of that world but we kind of joke that he just hangs out with the teenagers because all the teenagers love him and and he just is like someone on social media. It's been really interesting to see how his spirit and his um, like attitude towards life can affect all these people who have never met him. Like he just has this gift that you can't really explain, but it's like people just feel loved themselves when they watch him or they're around him. Yeah, I'll agree because I've never. Well, I met him at the at your daughter's wedding for a minute, and he's so cute. But I, yeah, that's so true. Like he's just, you just love him because he does look so happy and excited yeah, about everything about life. It's like weird to explain, but yeah. <laughs> it, I think that's perfect description. Like it's Christmas every day. Like, yeah, his kids yeah, are so excited. That's every day. the best way to describe him. <laughs> that's so Aww. cute. Well, and that. I'm happy for you too because seven kids like how nice to just I mean not that you know if he would have been challenging it would have been fine and you would have worked it out but isn't that just seems just kind of like a rewarding thing for you probably to have this just joyful yes. little kid at the end of it and your little boy that you you know you waited yeah, for all those girls yeah, yeah that's really fun. all the all the girls are like what would we have done if you had not got him oh and, yeah and of course that's like right like hindsight is twenty twenty, but there's so many decisions we make in life that like his was actually a harder decision than Mia's. And we had to push really hard to make ourselves say yes. Like we knew we were supposed to get him, but we were so focused on all the hard, like this is going to be three with Down syndrome. Like these three are living with us most likely for the rest of our lives. And that's big. And so there was lots of that. And I just remember thinking, Like, but why not? Like, why not take it on and embrace it? And one of the things that I was thinking about with, I love the name of your podcast, The Beautiful Shifts, because I think I actually looked up the word shift Hmm. when I was thinking of this weekend. And I was like, it's just a slight change. You know, it says slight. Hmm. And so I'm like, we don't have to, like all these decisions we make in life and the hard times and the good times, we don't have to make this, we don't always have to make this giant change, but just one little shift. Like we've talked about all these examples, right? Like 
inviting someone to sit with you, saying yes to a hard thing, um, faith over fear in the situation where I let Brie walk out on the court, like just all these times in your life. And each day you go through your day and you're making these choices of what shift is going to happen. Right. And, but then that shift spirals into these magnificent, beautiful things that you get to look back on. And that doesn't mean like when I look back on Noah's life to this point that I don't remember the hard, but each shift has like changed my perception of what the hard was and what it meant. And I think my, so my brother asked me once, he was like, okay, I want to know how you went from, cause he remembered when Brie was born and he's like, how did you go from crying in your hospital bed, like feeling like your life was over when Brie was born to having three kids with Down syndrome. And I remember when he asked me that we were on a family trip and I couldn't answer it. And it just kind of hung over me for a few weeks. And I was like, how did that change? Like, what would I say to someone? And I think the biggest thing was that, you know, when you're faced with a shift, whether it's small or giant, like you have the choice, you can accept it, which is great. And sometimes acceptance is all you can do. And sometimes acceptance is all you need to do. But you can either accept the path that that you've shifted to, or you can embrace it. And there's a big difference there. Like accepting and embracing are very different. And I've realized that over like all of my family, the different phases of our life, like the times where we accepted, like we got through things and, and that was okay. And it's not like it's bad to, to merely accept something. But when you take the opportunity to embrace it, it changes so much and it just becomes And that's kind of what we did with special needs. Like we could have just accepted that this was our family now with Brie and, and that's fine. Um, and nothing is wrong with that, but, but we chose to fully embrace it and to make it part of our family in a meaning, in a more meaningful way than, than merely our child has special needs. Like we wanted it to become bigger than that and, and impact um, our children first, first and foremost, and then anyone who, you know, has relationships with our children. So. Wow. I love that. I have never really thought of it that way. The difference between acceptance and embrace. And I, that's, that's really beautiful. Really cool. Yeah. And I love how you explained the shifts too. And just kind of, I mean, just what you just said as well, like basically you just said it beautifully (laughs) and I just loved it. That was the best description. Yeah. It makes me think, okay, what am I only accepting in my life and what can I embrace? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And don't, don't get me wrong. There's plenty that I'm merely accepting, you know, and even in their, like their day to day, it's like, there's a lot of things that when they happen, like you're really frustrated and you're like, this is so hard. I can't do this. Um, and you, you do just accept it for that day and that's okay. But as a whole, I think that's, that would be my answer to that question of how did I change from being like crushed by the fact that I was now a, a mom of a child with special needs to like, that is one of, that is my greatest accomplishment, like is my children. And that I can also say 
that I have three children with special needs. Um, now when I go in my daughter's room and she's Mia, she's our quirky food lover. And when I go in her room and she's hidden, you know, eaten all of the, uh, what do you call it? Ribs. We had ribs one night for dinner and she took all the leftovers and she ate them in her bed and it looked like like a crime scene because there was barbecue, <laughs> barbecue sauce, sauce everywhere. Oh, no. and there were bones everywhere <laughs> in her bed, under her bed. Oh, wow. And in that moment I am pulling my hair out right. and I'm yeah. like, why, what are you doing? You know, yeah. but then you, I look back on it and you just laugh and you're like, okay, this is, this is just part of our, our shift. And this right. is just part of our life. And it makes you laugh when you're not stressed about, how you're going to clean it up and all that stuff. But just being those, those are moments that obviously we're just accepting along the way. Like this is how it is. You know, we have, we have to shower our kids and they're 16 and, you know, different things that our life has shifted and will forever shift to be, we won't be empty nesters, you know, just different, different things that could consume us and paralyze us and make us, you know, not want to, enjoy. Um, but when you, when we kind of just take that shift and find ways to embrace those things and to find the beauty in the mess and like hold on to the hope through the hard, then that's, that's how we make it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking too, like it takes a special person. I feel like everything you're saying to me, I'm like, wow, she has a lot of patience and and I'm sure you and your husband both have to, but also just like your adaptability. I mean, back from with your first child, you know, with the special needs to now and just through your whole life. So it's just like, I love people like you and you know, people on this podcast that we get to talk to that are just such great examples of that to me. And I'm like, okay, how can I be a little bit more like Keisha? I know. <laughs> be more adaptable and more patient. And yeah, oh, right. No, I do. So thank you. No, for and I do feel example. like anytime I've been around you or Chris or Nate tells me some story or something from work, I'm like, wow, they just, you guys seem very like calm. <laughs> like there can be chaos, but you're like, well, we're just kind of to roll. Yeah. And I calm in the chaos. Well, that, that's probably a, that's nice of you to say. That's like an essential. It's definitely not always the case, but yeah. I think it's just, you know, you're, you just do what you can do. And yeah. everyone, when you're, everyone faces their own hard and you just figure out how to make it through that hard and yeah. you do adapt, right? Like yeah. we can all look at each other's hard and, and think, Oh, I can't do that. But when it's your heart, you know, or your path, then you, you do figure out how to be adaptable and, and yep. right. figure out what to laugh about and what to cry about <laughs> and yeah, so what true. to let go and all those things. For sure. Yeah. Um, I actually have to go. I feel so bad and I don't You're want right. to cut this short, but well, we won't cut it short. I'll let Chantel wrap up with you with the wrap up question and everything yeah. else. But I just wanted to say thanks so much. I love loved everything you said. And I just feel really lucky that we got, you're so sweet. You. Yeah. It's been fun. I could yeah. just hang out with you guys. I know. Yeah, we should. We lunch. Should. Well, we should. Most of yeah. the time we're like, we want to go lunch and talk. Yeah. More. <laughs> yeah. We should No. Okay. Well, thanks so much. And yeah, Chantel. We'll nice to meet you. Yeah, yes. You too. Thanks. Okay. okay. Have fun. Thanks. So yeah, we've enjoyed your, our, this conversation so much. And, um, at the end of all our podcasts, we always ask, how do you find beauty in life after going through these transitions? That's a good question. I love that. Um, I think one of the 
biggest blessings that my kids have taught me. And um, there, there was an example of this just a couple of days ago. Mia was um, in a swim meet, like it was the high school region swim meet. And they've added this unified team this year. So the kids with special needs can participate. And so they, they race their own race um, in their lane against these other uh, typical teammates. And so anyway, she's in this, we're at this aquatic center and it's just packed all these high schools, all these people for region. And she is just swimming along. Like she didn't put her face in at all. Like she's, she knows how to swim. She's just taking her time, looking around, smiling. Like if she could have waved, she probably would have, but she was, you know, using her arms to swim. And we kind of were like laughing, but then like, oh my gosh, Mia swim, like kind of getting frustrated, not frustrated, but like, what you is she you doing? Like she knows how to swim, like go. Cause she was just literally just taking her time. She gets to the end and almost doesn't go back. And then they encourage her. She goes back. And the whole time I'm thinking, and then of course, by that time, everyone else is done with the race right. <laughs> and she still has a whole leg to go. And the whole place is watching her, cheering for her. Oh. And I just remember thinking, this is the epitome of what she teaches me and what having to shift for any reason has taught me is to enjoy the ride. And she was not concerned about winning the race. She wasn't concerned about what people thought, that she wasn't swimming it a certain way or that she was taking too long. And it was kind of like this big, like she just wrapped this whole idea of our life in with a bow (laughs) and was like this is what it's about like enjoy the ride and I think that's one of the ways that I find beauty in the transitions is yes they're hard yes most days there's something that is frustrating or upsetting or whatever that you feel like you're thrown off off your a game um but the time, the the different, the times when I can see the beauty in enjoying the ride versus stressing about why it derailed, that's where I find the beauty and the happiness is taking a step back, trying to take a breath, and I need to do better at, at how often I'm able to do that, is just realizing that there's always... Like we're always going to have trials. We're always going to have a shift or multiple shifts or huge derailments that we have to figure out how to climb back up out of that trench. And I think no matter what or how deep that trench of that trial is, there's always a pebble of peace that we can find. And there's always something. And sometimes there's always something to hold on to. Sometimes it's super tiny. And like, all I can hold on to today is Noah's smile. (laughs) Or all I can hold on to tomorrow is Mia went to school. Like, whatever your heart is, there's always something that you can find to hold on to. To like, remind you that there is peace and there is hope. And there is beauty. And some days those little pearls are enormous mountains that I'm like, Oh, there's no question. This is a beautiful ride. (laughs) And then there's other times where I'm like, I can't see the sky. I can't see anything. It's all dark. 
around you. And those are the times that you have to really search for those little, I like to call them pearls of peace. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like a little pearl, you know, it's tiny and it might be hard to find. And But it's there. Yeah. You're going to have to hold on to it tight to to even remember it's there, right? Right. Um, but that's that's what I hold on to is that there's, if we step back and take a look at what's going on, that there's something that you can hold on to, to get you to the next moment and hopefully to the mountain where you're feeling all of it. Right. But. Right. Wow. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's why it's so cool that we have just so many different people in this world that can teach us things in a different way that we can't see for ourselves. And yeah, to have our kids that teach us these things in a different way is like, it really is a beautiful thing and it makes you yeah, stop and think, wow, how, how was I not noticing this? Or why do they have to teach me this lesson right. again and again a lot of times? But yeah. yeah, And you, yeah, you learn, I mean, you know, yeah. with her, that you have to, I mean, you're yeah. forced to learn to let go of some things that you cared about yep. maybe too much before, Yeah, you know, and you just focus on the simple beauties that are really not that simple when you stand right. back and look at them. Yeah. And I do think Pete Payton does teach us those things. Cause he is just, you know, there's just simple things that make him so happy and it's like, Oh, yep. okay. That's what we need to focus on to get. So yeah. Derailed by things sometimes <laughs> forget to just right. enjoy the moment. <laughs> like, yeah. Swimming and just enjoying it while everybody's cheering <laughs> and not caring. Right. I loved it. Just enjoy the ride. <laughs> yeah, That's amazing. So all right. Well, thank you so much. This has been thank awesome. You. Thank you for taking the time and taught so many like good lessons to us. I think that people can take away and apply them to all. You're different. sweet. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Have Keisha. a good day. Hey, you too. See ya. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and would love if you subscribe to the podcast and followed along as we continue hearing more inspiring stories. You can also follow us on Instagram at Beautiful Shifts Podcast, where we will post updates with our latest interviews. We'd like to thank the band We The Lion for giving us permission to use their beautiful song Move Along for our podcast. Take a minute to listen to the song and the lyrics and enjoy. I find a way to know myself All my thoughts are mine again And begin to understand where to go now it's time to move along Now it's time to move along Take this journey as my own Feel the strength right in my bones All I want is to believe Life is my own life Start again, my mind is free now I can feel the truth in me I'll take a chance, I won't be wrong Here's now, now it's time